on Next Level. Welcome. Woo! Come on. We are so, so glad that you're with us for the launch of our brand new series that you heard the guys talk about. We're calling The Cause Within You. And we want to welcome not only everyone who's in this room, but also those of you who are listening or watching online or in some other environment right now, just welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us for The Cause Within You. And this new series that we're starting is actually uh, much of the content and even some of the just the vision ideas from it come from a brand new book that released a few months ago called The Cause Within You, same title, and it's written by Pastor Matthew Barnett. Maybe some of you have heard of Pastor Tommy Barnett or Pastor Matthew Barnett. Uh, 15 or so years ago, God put a cause within them to go to the city of Los Angeles and birth what has become known as the the L.A. Dream Center, the Los Angeles Dream Center, Uh, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal ministry work that's literally impacting hundreds of thousands of lives over the last decade and a half uh, in the greater Los Angeles area, but also then uh, through their inspiration and motivation, other dream centers have have popped up across the country and literally around the world. And so uh, I highly recommend the book, The Cause Within You. As a matter of fact, if you go to my blog, mattkelleronline.com, You can find uh, a link to Amazon.com where you can purchase the book uh, there. So make sure you take advantage of that. I highly recommend Pastor Matthew's book. uh, And uh, that's where so much of this series, uh, the, the heart behind it, comes from. And, you know, it's interesting because when you start talking about this idea of uh, that, that God would place a cause within each of us. It's, it's easy for us, and maybe you're like me, that when I think of people with a great cause, I think of the Matthew Barnetts or the Tommy Barnetts of the world. And I think about, you know, man, going to a city like Los Angeles and, and you know, launching the Dream Center. Now, that's someone with a greater cause within them. Or maybe you, we think of Mother Teresa and, and someone like that that has a cause within them. Or maybe, you know, you think of, of someone uh, like a missionary, maybe, you know, a great missionary that you met when you were a child that came to your church or someone that, you know, felt called to go to another country that when we think of, the, of us pursuing the cause within us, those are the sorts of people that we think about, isn't it? We think, of, we think of the great men and women of faith and men and women of God to go and pursue the cause. But for the next four weeks, what we're going to be talking about is the cause within us. What if it's true that the God we serve, the God that we study and learn of and know in the pages of Scripture, the Holy Bible, what if that God calls each one of us to a greater cause within us? What if this life is more than just making sure all of the kids get to soccer practice every week on time? What if this God we serve has called us to not just acquire stuff and live the American dream? What if, what if it's true that God calls us to not just be about the nine to five in our life, to not just acquire more things and more stuff and, and, and live the American way that we live our life? What if, what if God has called us to a greater cause than just enduring the snowbirds who are now here in Southwest Florida on our roads, making us late to stop. Don't get me wrong, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Glad you're here. Our economy needs you. Please spend lots of money. Buy cars. Cry not lie. Buy buildings. Buy, buy entire strip malls while you're here. No, no, really. All we ask is that you speed up on the road. Can I get an amen? Okay, listen, that could be the best amen we've gotten in like 10 years. I mean, we're not like a big amen type of church, but listen, you start preaching on snowbirds and going slow in traffic, you get like the altars are full, like open it up, amen, somebody. Okay, so here's the deal. What if, what if our lives, Next Level Church, are called 
to be about more than just us. It's interesting because as you think through the people that God used for a cause greater than themselves in the pages of Scripture, I can't help but think of someone like the Apostle Paul. Someone who was responsible for writing two-thirds of the entire New Testament. And, you know, as you, as you study the words that Paul wrote in the New Testament, you, you read of him being about a cause bigger than just his own enjoyment, his own fulfillment, his own success. He, he, he wrote things like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He, he said things like, my life is being poured out like a drink offering before the Lord. He was, when he would write to, to churches or people that he would, felt spiritual responsibility for, he would say things like, you are my joy and my crown. The, cr- the crowning achievement of my life is not something that I've acquired, not some position, not some status. The, the crowning joy of my life is you. It, it's people. It's others. That's, that's Paul. It's, it's as if the, the great apostle Paul, who penned so much of the New Testament, it's as if he understood something that I'm afraid is being lost in our self-centered, me-focused Instant gratification culture that we find ourselves living in today in America. It's as if the Apostle Paul understood this idea that there is indeed a greater cause within us. See, here at Next Level Church, we believe that God has made every single one of us for a cause that's bigger than just ourselves. And for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. The cause within us. The cause within us as individuals and corporately. As a, as a church, as a community of believers, we believe that God has placed a cause within us. If you've been around Next Level for any period of time, you know and have heard us undoubtedly tell the story of how God has called us to a greater cause within us. And that, that cause within us is, involves two of the hardest hit economic communities in all of Southwest Florida, at Palmetto Courts and Sable Palms, two, two government projects downtown that, that God has called and placed on our heart. I remember a few years ago uh, when God started to stir us, and, and he started to stir my heart around this one idea, Matt, to whom much is given, much is required. And Matt, I've given you as a church much. Now the question is, will you use all that you've been given as a church for yourselves, or will you use all that you've been given as a church community for the, for the lost, for the hurting, for the broken, for the forgotten of our city. And so three years ago, we adopted Palmetto Courts and Sable Palms, two of the hardest hit communities. We're, we're just 5.5 miles from right here. 5.5 miles, less than a 10-minute drive. Down the same road, Plantation Road becomes Veronica Shoemaker that literally splits our two communities in, in, right in the middle. 10 minutes from here. We've adopted those communities and God called us. And, and maybe if you've been around Next Level, you've, you've wondered why. Maybe you're new to Next Level and you're like, well, okay, fine. But, I mean, you kind of don't fit the mold of that. And trust me, listen, if anybody, you, you think you feel funny about it, trust me. When the Lord started burning my heart for these two communities downtown, I'm like, Lord, you got to check your vision or something. Because, bro, I, I, don't, I don't need to tell you, I'm a tall, skinny, white dude. So listen, if anybody doesn't qualify for the task, it's this homeboy. And I don't even have the right to call myself a homeboy. Like, I, like I get it, Lord. It's not me. And yet God, over the last three years, has just put it in our heart to say yes to these communities, to adopt them, to, to pour ourselves in. That is our cause. But the question for us then is, why this cause? 
Why are we downtown? Why these communities? And maybe you've, maybe you've said that. Maybe as you've heard us talk about our third Saturday serve days or our Be Orange, you know, initiative. That's kind of how we refer to it around here. BeOrange.me is our website. We all wear our orange t-shirts. And then you heard the guys, next Saturday we're going downtown and we're all going to put on our orange suits. I mean, our orange shirts, not suits, like visions of Dumb and Dumber right there. Like we're all like in our orange leisure suits, you know, ruffles. Being all, okay, that's not how we'd walk, but you know. Like, no, we're not, okay, we're not doing the creamsicle thing. But we're all, next Saturday, we're going to, we're all going to put on our orange shirts. We're going to invade with the presence of orange, and we're going to invade with the presence of Jesus. Why? Why this cause? Why downtown? Well, as we launched this series, I wanted to take a few minutes, and I wanted to zoom up to 35,000 foot level of this cause within us. And answer the question, why? Because if you've ever thought those, some of you have even asked us, do the residents of the communities downtown, do they even appreciate what we do? do, they, do they, does it, are we even making a difference? And those are all great questions. And so as a church, I want to take this weekend and I want to unpack why we're downtown, why this cause for Next Level Church. Well, the reason why is because Jesus gave us this cause. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is where, where I want us to, to launch off of today. If you don't know your Bible, that's fine. The verses will be on the screens around me. You'll be able to follow along there. Because in Matthew 25, Jesus is teaching a group of people, and he's painting a picture. He's, he's giving them a, a, an image of a far-off time and place in heaven where all of those who have claimed to know God have been gathered together, and, and God, as judge, is separating them, some on the left, some on the right, some he's calling goats, some he's calling sheep. And, and I want you to see the, the dynamic that, that Jesus begins to paint in this metaphor, into this picture of, of, of what pleases God, what pleases the heart of God. Look at this, starting in verse 34, Matthew 25, verse 34 says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Verse 37, then the righteous, they get confused, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then look at verse 40 right here. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these Brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, not for yourself, for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, it's as if you were doing it for me. And in these verses, we find a greater cause. Jesus gives us a bigger cause than just ourselves. Why are we downtown? Because Jesus gave us a bigger cause than just 
ourselves. A cause that goes way beyond just soccer practice and sitting in traffic. A cause that goes just beyond our own instant gratification and our own wants and needs and desires. Jesus gave us a cause, but watch this. We live in an American culture today that gives us the privilege and the ability to order our lives, to arrange our lives in such a way that we never have to be face-to-face with, with pain and hurt and need and brokenness. 5.5 miles from where we are right now, a 10 minutes drive. You and I would have the ability within 10 minutes to come face-to-face with hurt and pain and need and suffering and brokenness. Why are we downtown Because Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. But see, the truth is, you and I don't have to be face-to-face with the least of these in our world. Our American culture gives us the ability to design our lives in such a way that we don't have to. And listen, please hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not, that's not a judgmental statement. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. Watch this. Us organizing our lives so that we don't have to come face to face with this sort of hurt and pain and brokenness and suffering on a daily basis is a very American thing. It's just not very Jesus-like. See, when we study the life of Jesus, what we discover is Jesus went out of his way Jesus intentionally architected his life in such a way that he was consistently face to face, eyeball to eyeball, with, with, with extreme need, with extreme hurt, with extreme poverty, with extreme pain and suffering. Jesus didn't order his life around it. Jesus architected his life to be face to face with them. And notice I said them, not it. Pain and suffering and hurt and brokenness is not an it. It's a them. See, okay, okay, okay. As human beings, we have this this thing in us. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just human nature that insulates us. We have this, this defense mechanism, if you will, to categorize pain and suffering into something that is non-human. For example, like when you hear about an earthquake in Haiti or you hear about the earthquake in Japan, it's easy for us, and part of human nature is this defense mechanism that insulates us from truly feeling the pain. And so we'll even say things like, isn't it tragic? Isn't that awful? Because when we hear about those things, if we, if we really allowed ourselves to feel, if we really allowed ourselves to, to experience it on a heart level, on a, on a, on a personal level, The pain takes on a whole new dimension, doesn't it? And see, when we go downtown, when we put on our orange shirts, when we go and serve the least of these, when we come face to face, we suddenly realize that hurt and pain and brokenness and suffering is not an it. It's not a that that happens somewhere out there that I don't have to interact with. No, 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 no. When we go downtown, when we we move into our, our, our communities, when we look people in the eye, what we discover is hurt and pain and suffering and brokenness has a face and it has a name and there's children involved and they're they're real people with real, real hurt and real dreams and real hopes. They're real people. It's not just something happening out there 
somewhere. No, 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 no. Jesus modeled this for us. He patterned his life in such a way that he was consistently brought face to face with real people who were enduring real hurt, real brokenness, real pain, real suffering. So why are we downtown? Why do we be orange? Because Jesus told us that whatever we do for the least of these, it's as if we're doing it for him. And so that's why three years ago, God began to stir our heart. And we had no choice but to respond and say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're in. So for the last three years, this has been the cause within us, corporately, collectively, as a community of believers. And thankfully, Jesus didn't just give us a cause that's bigger than ourselves. Over the last few years, Jesus has given us a strategy for this cause. And so I want to take just a few minutes uh, this weekend, and I want to unpack, I want to talk about this, this greater cause and the strategy that God's given us. Because we, we've learned a lot. And what we've learned over the last few years is that in order for us to be effective in our cause, we've got to do a few things. First of all, we, we learned that and we know that we have to focus. Here's what we know. We know that in order for us to be effective in this cause that he's given to us as a church, that we can't heal every need in our city. We can't heal every hurt. We can't solve every problem. But what we know is we can do something. And so for us, when we begin to be exposed to the, to the hurt and the suffering in our communities, we said that's a need that we can, we can do something about. These are people that we can help. And so we decided we needed to focus. Secondly, we, we've learned that in order for us to be effective in the cause, we can't just throw money at it. Of course, this is something that we've, we've known, but I think this is where oftentimes a lot of government agencies, although they're good-hearted, I think they get it wrong. Because we think that if we just throw money at, at poverty, then somehow we can, then they'll just make it better. But many of us know and understand this all too well, that, that even money, when it's, if it's misdirected money in the wrong direction, can actually do more harm than good. See, I was raised in a Christian environment, a Christian environment, where I was led to believe for years, for years, that because of my upbringing, because I'm an upper middle class white dude who lives in a gated community, that the best I could do would be two things. Number one, feel very, very guilty about all that I have. As long as you feel guilty, then that somehow helps. And number two, the best I could offer was to write a check and slip it under the gate to my my neighborhood. You have nothing else to offer. I felt condemned. I felt condemned. And what we've discovered is that money's not the solution. It's a piece of it, but it's not, it's not it. We have so much to offer those who are hurting and broken and suffering in our city. So if money's not the answer, then what is? That, well, here's, here's what we've learned over the last few years, and it, I kind of envision it as a, as a wheel, that there's like six you know, spokes to a wheel, if you will a bit of a six-pronged approach to truly lifting someone who's, who's caught in a poverty mindset, who has a poverty worldview. To lift them, you have to engage on six levels. The first one is financial, that obviously there's a financial component to it, that finance is directed in the right way, in the, in the right direction, it makes an impact. Secondly is educational. The second spoke of the wheel is there's a, there's a training component to this. There's an educating people who are stuck in a poverty worldview, a poverty mindset, and helping them break free of that. There's, there's education that's involved in that. Third is social. We have to help uh, those who are, who are living in a poverty worldview. We have to help them from a social perspective, learning the, the unspoken rules and norms of, of the middle class. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. 
Fourth, then, is environmental. The, the experts at this stuff tell us that, that the environment that someone is, is in has a, a, affects their worldview in a big, big way. Fifth, then, uh, spoke of the wheel in terms of you're really going to lift someone out of a poverty worldview and help them then make a, build a bridge out of that lifestyle, that way of life. Then, then the fifth is medical and health. You have to deal with the physical needs, mental health, physical health, dental, optical, the, the, all of those things. There's a nutritional component to the whole deal. And then the sixth spoke of the wheel is spiritual. That we understand and we know that if, if, even if we do the first five things, but we don't, at the end of the day, offer the hope of Jesus, then we've done nothing. We're nothing more than just a really good-hearted humanitarian organization. There's nothing wrong with that. But we believe, as men and women of faith, that, that if, if it doesn't, if the true hope, true freedom is found, not just in those other five areas. True hope and freedom. True deliverance, if you will. Healing from the pain is found in Jesus. And so that's a bit of a six-pronged approach. And so everything we do in terms of how we interact with our communities downtown that we've adopted, our Be Orange initiative, is centered around those six components. That, that it's not just a money deal. The third thing that we've learned in terms of being effective in our strategy, our, our mission, if you will, our greater cause within us is we've recognized that we're dealing with a mindset issue. We've recognized that we're dealing with a mindset issue. Okay, here's the deal. Every subculture in the world, but in our, in our context, every subculture has an unspoken set of rules and norms. Like our church is a subculture. Okay, here's one for you. Uh, last weekend, I had the chance to take my two boys up to the swamp. We'd never been up to Gainesville for a Florida Gators football game. And so I uh, had the opportunity last weekend. Uh, come on, Gator Nation. Here's your chance right here. All right, good. You're all sobered up from our loss yesterday. That's good. I'm glad you're here. Way to come back to Jesus and the church. That's good. Okay, so, so last weekend, I uh, took my kids up to the swamp. 90,144 Gator fans in one building, and it was awesome. It was crazy. Okay, so but there's there's that's a subculture, and every subculture has unspoken rules and norms. Okay, ready? Come on, Gator fans. Here you go. Dun, 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 dun. There it is. All right, come on, Gator fans. That's like the best of all four services. I just want you to know. Really, they are here, and they're 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 arrived. Whoo! All right. Okay, watch. Here's the deal. When we walked into the stadium, it's not like there's a program that says, when the van plays, da-da-da-da-da, you yell, go Gators. So how do 90,144 people know that when the band goes, da-da-da-da-da, to yell, go Gators? It's an unspoken rule. It's just that you just, that you understand that you just kind of, it's, it's in the culture. It's an, it's an unspoken norm. Our church is, an, is, is a subculture. And there are unspoken rules and norms about Next Level Church. For example, an unspoken rule of our church is don't come to church in your pajamas. Right? I mean, it's not like we post on our website, by the way, you probably shouldn't come to church in your pajamas. You'll feel weird. Okay, it doesn't say that on our website. So how come in all of our four services, nobody all weekend long came to church in their pajamas, even though they're more comfortable than the clothes we're all wearing right now? Because it's an unspoken rule. It's an unspoken norm. Here's another one. Unspoken rule of Next Level Church. When the guy up front starts talking, don't be having loud, rude conversations with someone at the end of the row. Right? Okay, here's one that's actually a spoken rule. Every week on the video, take any crying or disruptive children out of the auditorium and please silence your cell phones. 
that's a rule. That's a norm of the subculture of Next Level Church. And, and when someone who doesn't know the rules breaks the rules, and while I'm talking, their cell phone goes off, what do we do? We're like, sinner. Right? We, we, we gladly judge you. Gladly. Because every week in the video, 52 weekends a year, we're like, silence yourself. And it's like, and some old lady's like, digging through her purse. And like, silence yourself. Why? Because that's an, well, it's not unspoken. That's a, that's a rule. That's a norm of our subculture. Now watch this. There's a poverty mindset or worldview. There's a middle class mindset and worldview. And there's a wealthy mindset and worldview that exists in our world today. Poverty mindset, middle class mindset, wealth mindset. Watch this. Every mindset or worldview has its own set of unspoken rules and norms that we think everybody else in the world should know and understand and live by. Don't come to church in your pajamas. We think everyone should understand that. So watch this. I would dare to say that the majority of us who are listening today would fall into that middle class worldview or or mindset. Watch. What we've learned and discovered is that the vast majority, almost exclusively, every rule or norm, unspoken rule or norm, of the middle class mindset is exactly opposite of a poverty mindset or worldview. Everyone. And so we're, we're dealing with our life. We live our life with, with this unspoken set of rules and norms. But then when we interact with many of the residents downtown who are caught in this, this poverty mindset or worldview, it is exactly opposite from the rules and norms we know and understand. And this is why many of us who, who have grown up or, or, you know, whatever, in a middle-class mindset and worldview, we look on and we, we say things like, well, why don't they just go get a job? Well, why don't they just pull themselves up by their bootstrap? Why don't they get off the couch and go do something? Because it's not that easy. Because that's our worldview. That's our rules. That's our norm. That's, that's, okay, let me just, okay, we found this chart. This is unbelievable. Okay, watch this. The middle class mindset. When it comes to possessions, us middle classers, when we think of possessions, we think of things. People who are in a poverty mindset or worldview, when they think of possessions, they think of people. When it comes to money, middle class mindset, think of money as something to be managed. People who live with a a poverty mindset or worldview think of money to be used or spent because they don't know how long they'll have it. It's all about survival in the poverty world. Food. For us middle classers, when we think of food, it's all about uh, quality. Did we like it? People in a, world, a poverty worldview, it's all about, is there enough? There's a scarcity mentality. Quantity is what's important when it comes to food. I don't care how it tastes, just give me quantity. Time. For middle-class mindset people, we think of time in, fu- in future tense. Future is what's most important to us. Therefore, every decision we make in the present is lined up or weighed against, gauged against a f- what future ramifications. But people who are living in a poverty worldview or mindset, when it comes to time, it's all about the present because I don't know how long I'll be here. It's all about survival in in a poverty mindset. Education. For middle-class people, education is crucial for climbing the success ladder and making money. 
For people in a poverty world viewer mindset, education is valued and revered as abstract, not a reality. Yeah, I'd, uh, sure, I'd love to go to high school. Yeah, I'd lo- uh, but uh, um, I, it's not possible. It's not reality. I'd love to go to college. Sure, I'd love to go to trade school. Sure, I can't. It's not a reality for me. It's abstract. It's something that lives off, off the language. In the middle class mindset, we use a formal register in terms of the language, how we communicate with one another. Language is about negotiation. In a poverty worldviewer mindset, they use a casual register. Language is about survival. This is why, in, in a middle class, for example, unspoken rules and norms, we, we think, we look me in the eye. We have a formal syntax to our language. Look me in the eye. That We teach our kids this, don't we? Son, look me in the eye. Talk, come on, speak up. That's a middle class rule. That we think, look me in the eye, tell me what you want, and we'll negotiate from there. In a poverty worldview, you don't look someone in the eye. Looking someone in the eye is seen as an act of aggression. And, and we use a formal syntax to negotiate and to speak clearly what we want. In a poverty mindset, that you don't look someone in the eye, and when it comes to your language, you use a very casual, relaxed language, and you never speak directly because, again, that could be seen as aggression. Instead, you circle a topic until finally someone in, understands the inference you're trying to make. I'm telling you, it's fascinating. So watch this. There are all of these unspoken rules and norms when it comes to the middle class or the wealth mindset and when it comes to the poverty worldview or mindset. This is why... Okay, for example, we, we take for granted. Pull up your pants. Tighten your belt. We don't want to see your underwear. Here, here's one. Don't show up late for work. Be on time. That is a middle class rule. That rule does not exist and actually is a hindrance in a poverty world. So watch this. If we're going to be successful at the cause that God has placed within us, to be able to, to lift so many of the residents of our communities downtown out of a poverty worldview and mindset that's holding them bound and captive, causing such pain and heartache and grief and suffering. What we've discovered is the number one way to do that is through relationship. What that means is if we're going to be effective, then we've got to engage relationally. We've got to engage relationally. For the last three years, our strategy has been to gain trust with the residents of our communities downtown. We understand that they've been hurt, they've been disillusioned, they've been um, um, bitten by organizations like ours. So for the last three years, we've sought to build a brand presence, if you will, with the whole Be Orange thing and build trust with the residents of the community. But now, and I'm so excited about this, starting with our five weeks of service coming up this Saturday and moving into the next 12 months and beyond in 2012, we're, we're, our, our strategy for how we lift the residents of our communities with the love of Jesus is about to go to a whole new level. So here's what I want to do. I actually want to have Kyle Jackson, one of our pastors on staff, who oversees a, a lot of our outreach and stuff, come on out. And, uh, and, and I, want to, I want to talk us through this, Kyle. I want us to, to, to spend a couple minutes and, and talk about where we're headed, talk about five weeks of service, and then, and then honestly look toward 2012 and say, okay, where do we go from here? So uh, talk about, I mentioned it a little bit though, I mean, engaging relationally. What does that look like? And then what does that mean for our five weeks of service?
Yeah, well, week one, Matt, we're going down for five straight weeks, and week one we were doing, we've already talked about our fried chicken and family portrait. I know you love fried chicken. You're an Indiana boy. Come on. So we're going down. We're having fried chicken, but the whole point of that is we want to sit around the tables with the residents down there, us as Next Level Church people, sit around the table, have some real conversations with real families, engage them, hear about their hopes and their dreams, and then also over to the other side, we'll be doing family portrait, which is, is designed because, Matt, most of these people don't have family pictures in their homes. Most of them have never even thought about having a Christmas picture taken. So we're going to have an area decorated Mm. for Christmas where they can get Christmas pictures. Having some of our families there, once they get their picture taken, come off to the side and meet one of our families. Again, getting to know them, everything going relational. Love it. Grab your orange card, everybody. Take out your orange card. It's in your bulletin. I want to make sure you're tracking with us. So week one, again, we're starting with relationship. Just, I love the Christmas pictures. That's incredible. Talk about week two. Week two is Christmas decoration and community cleanup. Last year we did this as two separate Saturdays. Saturdays. This year we're combining them. And if you went down last year to our communities after we did this, we put, man, we just totally transformed it into the Christmas season. Lights, Christmas wreaths, Christmas decorations. The entire community is lit up at night for several weeks leading up till Christmas. It definitely brought that feel of Christmas season to their community. But this year what we're doing different is hopefully through the week one as we meet people at at lunch, as we meet people through family pictures, is that we want to ask them to team up with us and not us just go down and decorate their community, but them actually decorate with us. Wow. I love that. I love that. Inviting them into the process. This isn't a handout. We're not going to do something for you. We want to include you in. That's that's that relational component. Amazing. Okay, week three. Week three, if you've ever been a part of five weeks of service, is our medical day. It's incredible. Hundreds and hundreds of people come out. We basically go down and bring everything they need healthcare-wise. We bring it all down in one day. They're going to be doctors, dentists, pediatric neurologists, nutritionists, diabetes testings. We're bringing flu shots down for all the kids to get flu shots. We host it all under one huge tent. We bring a mobile healthcare down to them. And what's different about this year compared to years past is usually we try to push them through and get them through the line so they can see all the specialists. This year, if you're one of these specialists, we need you absolutely. But if you're not, we need you even more down there because what Mm. we're going to do is team you up, single mom with a single mom, family with a family, and we're going to ask you to walk through the lines with them, sit in the waiting areas with them, have conversations about their kids and their family, again, relationally getting to know them. Okay, so in terms of medical day, obviously if a doctor or nurse or someone in the medical profession, make sure you just write that in the blank space down here because that'll help us, but... It's not just doctors and nurses. I mean, it is, again, it is all relational. And so all of us, we, we can all participate Absolutely. on that day. Absolutely. Okay, week four then. Talk about what's happening. Week four, we're extremely excited about it. It's a new day this year. We've never done this before. We are doing a mobile mall, a mobile Christmas shopping day. And we're going to come down and, and the residents there can actually come in and purchase a gift for $1 for gifts that cost 5 to $10. They can come and register their kids, four kids. They can buy up to four gifts, one gift per child, pay a dollar for it, and they get a 5 to $7, $10 gift. And then we're also going to have areas set up where the, the ladies from the church here can come, teach them how to wrap their presents so they can actually wrap the presents for their kids to give to them on Christmas morning. The kids will actually be off to the side making a craft so they can give something to their parents for Christmas. And, the, and a lot of people are, you know, are probably thinking, why charge them money? Well, Matt, everything sure. we've learned, everything we've studied, everything we're watching, the questions we're asking to the people that know more about this than us is that even if charging them a dollar, charging them something brings honor and dignity 
to the, the husband, to the wife, that they actually purchased something Absolutely. for their child. No handouts. Wow, I love that. I love that. Okay, so then the whole thing culminates with week five. Week five. We are going mobile at Next Level Church again. Come on, mobile. Woo-hoo. We're going, we're taking it down. We're going down with a stage and TVs, and we're going to do a mobile Christmas service for the community, bringing that spiritual thing, the spiritual part of the six prongs there down with us. We are going to do a mobile Christmas service. We're going to have our worship band with the guitars and the drums and the the keys and the whole deal come down and do some Christmas songs. We're going to play some games with the kids on the stage. We're going to have the family portraits that we took during week one actually up on the TVs playing a slideshow. They'll actually get those pictures when they leave that day to take home. And then you're coming down and you're going to speak a message and preach on why the Christmas season is all about family, which is going to be incredible. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so then for Joe and Jane next levelite, how, how do we, how do we be involved in this? Talk to us. What does that mean? Well, Joe and Jane, if you're out there, um, what we need you to do is we need you to f- <laughs> we need you to fill in on the back. We've got five weeks. Here's what we're doing that's different. Would you be willing to use the word bubble again? Uh, I noticed in your announcements you referred to these as bubbles. That's what they are. They're bubbles. I'm from Perfect. Alabama. There it is. Awesome. You're bubbles. welcome, Joe. And so Jane. those are bubbles. On the back, there are bubbles that you can fill in weeks one through five. And here's what we're asking that's different is if you haven't looked around or, or you haven't noticed, we've kind of grown as a church. So here's the deal. We love your hearts. We don't need you to fill out all five weeks. I I love that you want to be at at all five weeks. Again, we love your heart. Here's the deal. We don't have enough parking for 2,000 people to show up (laughs) down there, nor do we have anything for you to do. And the reason behind that is we don't want you to come down this year in an orange T-shirt and stand around and Mm -hmm. talk to other people Mm -hmm. in orange Mm T-shirts. It's going against what we're trying to do. We need the right amount of people down there that can actually team up with the family, have conversations. So make sure when you fill this out, pick a week, commit to it, and then drop it in the bucket as it comes by. Awesome. Okay, so that's five weeks of service, which I love the relational component of that. Now, zoom out a little bit for us, Kyle. Take us to a long view of 2012. What does this mean in terms of our Be Orange initiative and all that we're doing in 2012? How does the relational thing play into all of this? Absolutely. Well, there's no doubt about it, Matt. The Orange T-shirts the last three years has built this trust in the community. When we show up, they know us as Next Level Church. They know us as a church that's not going anywhere. They do trust us. But again, in 2012, going everything relational, Mm. we are going down, and there's 48 buildings in Palmetto Court, 100 units. And what we're going down with is the philosophy of adopt a building. Mm. Adopt a building mentality, because we know until we put real names with real faces and hear hear real... hear real stories, we will not see real life change. So that's where we're going. So now we have the trust downtown, the orange t-shirts give us that. Now we need what we're calling Next Level Church. We need some people who are willing to get knee deep and elbow dirty. I know you like that. Knee deep and elbow dirty for the next eight to 12 months down in our community. Okay, so there's 48 buildings. So then what does that mean? What, how, do, how do we engage those buildings relationally? What's our strategy? Right. We, we're, we've been asking all weekend, starting in our first service Saturday night all the way through this morning, is we need 24 teams of four. Okay. 24 teams of four. Married couples, dating couples, engaged, single, old or young, young adults. We don't care. We need 24 teams of four who are willing to go down with this adopt-a-building mindset. And, Matt, we know even today with you talking through this whole this series and what we're doing is there's people out there that your, your heart's being pulled a little bit. And you go, Kyle, Matt, this, this is me. This is what I feel called mm-hmm. to do is, is to go down and lead one of these groups where we go down and find out the real needs of the families. And if that's you, you need to ask yourself this question. Are you willing mm. to adopt two buildings, four to six units, eight to 12 people, not communities, but people. Yes. Are you willing to adopt eight to 12 people and find out what they really need? So life? if you want to be a part 
of one of those 24 groups of four that are going to take the lead on this, then on your orange card down at the bottom, there's some space. Simply write the word lead, L-E-A-D, lead. Write the word lead right there. And then we want to include you in on one of these 24 small groups who are going to begin to really adopt a building and, and utilize that relational strategy which is amazing. But I also know that there are probably a, a few hundred more of us who are sitting out there going, I'm compelled. I'm not sure I'm ready to like lead type of deal, but I definitely want to be able to offer who I am and what I have. How do they respond? Sure. We know there are dozens and dozens of you that you just love putting on the orange t-shirt. You love coming out and serving in our community. So when it comes to our third Saturday surveys, we're still going down every third Saturday, but the difference will be we're not going to go down and do a huge outreach every third Saturday, but we want to do, and if this is you today and you just feel called to serve and you love being mm. the orange t-shirt people, we want you to star the bottom of your card so that we can get in touch with you. The reason behind that is we need to know what you're good at. We need to know if you want to be a mentor, a tutor, if you're a car mechanic, mm. if you're a handyman, if you're just a great cook who's willing to go down and teach a single mom how to cook healthy meals. We need to know what you're good at. Once we find that out, we want to team you with some of our 24 teams of four that are going down and finding out the real needs of the, the residents in those communities. So we'll still go down on third Saturdays, but it'll be smaller groups of people with two to three buildings. Okay, yeah, speak to that because many of us are familiar with our third Saturday serve day strategy. How does this relational approach begin to affect that in 2012? Absolutely. Again, we're going down every third Saturday. It'll be smaller for a couple months, but then quarterly, every three months, we're still going to go down and do an outreach where all you can come out in your orange t-shirts and we're going to throw a big outreach the hope would be that with our 24 teams of four, that they'll find out what the community really needs. And then with the relationships they're building, we, again, won't go down and just throw an outreach and hand out, and hand out things. We'll actually ask them to team with us, come up with what we're going to do, and then help lead on that third Saturday. Wow. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so you know what? I, it's, it, yeah, I, I'm so excited because when I look back at Matthew 25, I go, fried chicken? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Come on, right there. That's what I'm talking about. I'm getting hungry right now. I was a stranger and you invited me in. That's week two of our five weeks of service. That's us putting up Christmas decorations and inviting them to be a process of that. Don't be a stranger. You're invited into the family. I love that. I needed clothes and you clothed me. That's week four, a mobile mall. I was sick and you looked after me. That's week three. That's our medical. And then I was in prison. I was bound up. I was locked up. I was suffering and in need. And you came to visit. That's week five. That's our spiritual that we're doing. I look on and I go, we're living it out just as Jesus lived it out. And then we're living it out long term in 2012 in the context of relationship. And Kyle, here's what I love about this. And I know this is true, that this isn't just theory for you and for us. That you and your wife, Jennifer, actually have, have a personal story from our community of how you guys have lived out this whole relational mindset and, and really helping lift someone Tell the story. Sure. Um, in November of 2009, we went down in our orange t-shirts to serve in one of our project backpack giveaways, and we met a young man, an 18-year-old young man in line that day that had just graduated from North Fort Myers High School, and something in me and my wife's heart just started pulling at us and just kept telling us. We looked at each other, and it was just like, man, we need to get to know this young man. We need to know his story. We need to find out what makes him who he is. So we got his number, and we called him, and I took him to lunch, and then the next thing we know, we're picking him up every Wednesday night, and we're taking him to our youth group, Collide, back when we only had about 100 kids, Matt. And I remember standing in the back one week at Collide while, while he was sitting on the front row, and I remember watching him raise his hand to a, a salvation call and accept Christ. And, and Will Hutcherson gave a, an unbelievable message that night on salvation, and watching him raise his hand was a start 
for the next six to eight months where we picked him up every Ooh. Wednesday night and took him to youth. We picked him up every Sunday morning and brought him to church. He got his third time Starbucks gift card. Who's got a third time Starbucks gift card in here? Anybody? Awesome. Before? Come on, yeah, come on. Right. So did he. He got his third time Starbucks gift card. We went to Starbucks one day. We got his Starbucks and we're sitting in the parking lot. And because we actually got to know him, we recognized he needed a job. Over a year, he'd been living at home after he graduated high school, playing video games, thinking that's all there was. I finished high school, and I'm just going to live here, and, and I'll do my thing. Well, we walk across to, to Moe's Southwest Grill over off of Daniel's, and sure enough, we walk in, and I say, hey, are you guys hiring? And the manager happened to go to Next Level Church. <laughs> Come on. Manager at Next Level. And he looks at us like, I know you. And I'm like, I don't know you. but That's awesome. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, I go to Next Level. I'm like, that's awesome. So he ends up hiring Trey at the beginning mm. of 2010, Matt. And over the last two years, yeah. Trey has never missed a day of work, has gotten two raises, has figured out the bus system on how to get there, has got a bike and rides from downtown to work if the bus doesn't work out. And I ran into his manager about two months ago. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, how's Trey doing? And um, he looked at me and said, Kyle, he said, over the course of the last two years, we've had email after email mm. after email come in of people saying, we've loved our experience at Moe's, but can we just tell you the reason we come? Because there's a young man there named Travoris. <laughs> Trey went real fancy on his name tag and went Travoris. <laughs> <laughs> He said, we've got email after email talking about people come to our Mo's because of a young man named Travoris. Something about him draws us there. And we say it's the old school. <laughs> we say it's the old school joy of the Lord on his face because if you've ever been to Mo's off of, off of Daniels and walked in and saw a smiling face behind the counter screaming, welcome to Mo's, that's Trey. And here's the deal, over the last two years, not only has he gotten raises, not only has he not missed work, he's opened a bank account of Bank of America, and he's saved hundreds and hundreds of dollars. He's in our Infuse group at our, at our church, our connection group. He's learned how to play the acoustic guitar, and our worship team's pouring into him. And he's just had this incredible transformation, Matt. And the cool thing about this morning is Trey's here sitting on the front row. And buddy, can I, ju can I just tell you something, man? I'm so stinking proud of you. Our church is proud of you. Our staff is proud of you, man. You're doing it, buddy. You're doing it. And we love you. So go stand up, man. Stand Later, up, buddy. man. <laughs> Next level, it works. This is the cause within us. And God's calling us as a community of believers to give ourselves to more than just the nine to five to give ourselves to more than just our stuff and our happiness and our satisfaction and our schedules and our busyness and our world. God's calling us to be orange. He's calling us to go out of our way and put ourselves face to face with those who are stuck in pain and suffering and hurting and in a mindset that they don't know how to get out of. He's calling us to embrace the cause within us. So, Next Level Church, fill out the card. I don't know how to make it any easier. We got perforation for crying out loud. I mean, are you kidding me? We got bubbles. We got bubbles. If you want to be a part of our five weeks, mark, mark one of the weeks. Give us your information. And then if you want to be a part long-term, 2012, make sure you write the word lead. If you want to be a part of the 24 groups or, or put a star on there if you want to be involved in some way. And offer yourself. Listen, this is our cause. And we're going after it because there are young men 
like Trey, who need us, who need us to pursue our cause so that they can pursue their cause. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for calling us as a church to get out of ourselves. Thank you for giving us so much and making us responsible for it. Thank you, Jesus, that you've called us to these communities downtown and you've given us a strategy that we will be strategic. We will engage relationally in the coming months and years that we might hear the story of Trey echoed over and over and over again in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of children, of young men, of young women, of moms, of dads, of, 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 of grandparents in that neighborhood who were living without hope. But because of what we do and the cause we pursue, we'll find hope that can only come through you, Jesus. So Father, would you use us in the days ahead that lives might be changed for eternity. Jesus, thank you for the cause that you placed within us. May we pursue it for the sake of others and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.